all language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a metaphor to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. I am Michael Flores, the host of this show. If you're a new listener and you found us through the hashtags that we're putting out every five minutes, we are celebrating Star Wars Celebration. Hello, David. How are you? It looks like Pedro Pascal's not in the trust tree now with Dave Filoni. <laughs> Come on, Dave. <laughs> it was in good fun. It was in good fun. And he was saying that this is no longer, this isn't a cartoon. This is a live action. He wasn't putting down cartoons. <laughs> and he's right, though. There is a, certain, a little bit more excitement. If you there had to, is. Dave, if you, ch- is. if you could choose uh, the Mandalorian cartoon or the Mandalorian live action, which one are you going to choose? You got to go live action. Yeah. But don't get me wrong. Clone Wars is some of the best Star Wars we've ever received, period. But again, if I had to choose between a Clone Wars cartoon or Clone Wars live action, I think most of us (laughs) would choose a live action. Yeah. And I think that was his point because the Internet blew up with that comedy (laughs) made. You know, I don't think anybody thought he was being malicious. Oh, no. But it definitely was. It was a uh, funny moment of the panel. Yeah, for sure. I want to start, Dave, that first by saying this is show number four. This is Star Wars from the Back to Tank, Star Wars Celebration, show number four. If yes. you missed the prior discussions, that's fine. Um, you can pick them up later on uh, on demand via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search Star Wars from the Back to Tank. We have covered pretty much every major piece of information that has come out throughout the last two or three days. And today's show, we are focusing, for the most part, on The Mandalorian. And we're on a tight schedule because we have to complete this show before the next panel starts. Before a bigger one comes out. Right, which is going to be the Clone Wars panel. So we have to stay on schedule today, Dave. So I can't, <laughs> you can't pull your dick out and, uh, and rub yourself and take time. To, I can't distract you. It, that doesn't distract me because I can't see anything. It distracts you. <laughs> I'm behind like 50,000 screens over here. (laughs) You're behind the wall. Yeah. All right. So first, let's talk about that introduction that Kathleen Kennedy gave the boys. Okay. Favreau and Dave Floaty. That right there is enough to just make me just get so excited and love uh, Kathleen Kennedy because everyone knows I'm already, I'm a Kathleen Kennedy fan. Um, She's made a few decisions that make you want to shrug and be like, huh? Huh? But overall, I'm a, I'm a big fan of her. Overall, you, can, you uh, no one can deny the fact that without Kathleen Kennedy, we wouldn't have gotten to this point yet. Right. And I loved that she understands. She does understand the fans, even though people may say she doesn't. She does. She and does. The way she introduced Favreau and then gave, gave him all the accolades he deserves, right? But yeah. then when her attention went to Filoni. Yeah. If there's a few comments, because you know me, I love finding comments and interpreting them in different ways and i feel like a lot of this is about grooming feloni to start doing more live action that's what i Did that's you what get i got that too i got that feel too because especially in this panel usually feloni is you know mr laid back he's right he's he's writing that cowboy hat of his all the way up on stage yeah this one it felt different with him on stage because it was kind of like a a coronation of sorts because like, yeah, because Kennedy was actually hyping it up and saying she understands that a lot of people at this point have been saying, when is Filoni going to take that next big step? Yeah. When is he good? Because we all agree as fans, he's done a fantastic job. He's, he, he gave us clone wars. He gave us rebels. What did that fan say yesterday during the rebels, uh, rebels remembered, I believe panel it was called. What, what did that fan say? 
when he introduced himself to Filoni? What did he say, Dave? <laughs> I think he said... He said that you are... I, he says everyone feels like you're the spiritual successor of George Lucas. And he's right. He is right. If you have... If you are a true Star Wars fan, number one, you have watched the cartoons, period. Yeah. If you're not watching those cartoons... Hey, you like Star Wars. I'm going to draw the line. I'm going to draw the line right now. You like Star Wars. Yeah. I find it hard to believe that you're a Star Wars fan. I love Star Wars. Did you watch Clone Wars? No. Did you watch Rebels? No. Get the fuck out. <laughs> right. I mean, you may like the movies. Say you're a fan of the movies. I'm a fan of the Star Wars movies, but... In order to be considered a true Star Wars fan, you have to have watched everything, in my opinion. And my, even my brother, who hates cartoons, he does not like cartoons. My older brother. He has watched Clone Wars and Rebels. My older brother. Yeah. Because it's just, it kind of comes with the territory. If there's Star Wars, now you don't have to like all of it. I'm not saying that by any means. Yeah, by, by but far, you, yeah. But you have to give everything a chance. You have to acknowledge it at least. Because yeah. like if you don't acknowledge it and say, yeah, I've heard of it. I've, I've watched a few episodes. And understand that basically without these, without these two shows, we wouldn't have Star Wars as it is right now. Yes, exactly. And... Bringing it back to how they introduced Filoni during this panel just made me just feel really good because even though he's doing a medium, he's dabbling and working in a medium for the last, what, 15 years that isn't as respected as the live action medium. I don't feel that way, but that's the facts. It's just not. If you're a cartoon director or a cartoon writer, you're not the writer of Game of Thrones in the eyes of the mainstream. Does, yes. Does that make sense, Dave? No, no, it makes sense because, like, there, there is a, I don't know if the, if this is the proper word, but there is a stigma when it comes to doing an animated project. Right. I'm not going to say a cartoon or. Just animation. General, animation yeah. in general. Right. There's always been that stigma that basically, oh, well, you, you haven't dealt with live action uh, directing right and there are different skill sets that are involved in both and some can make that crossover and some can't and yes. it feels to me like they are in fact grooming Filoni to make that crossover because how many fans Dave have voiced this like anytime we tweet out hey Filoni just needs to direct or at least write a feature film yes we get tons of likes and retweets people all are on the same page when it comes to that that thought, many of us feel like Filoni needs that chance. And now, by way of The Mandalorian, and the fact that he's not just directing a couple episodes, but he's also the executive producer of the project. He's working with Filoni. Yeah, especially... especially. Or, I'm sorry, Filoni's working by, with himself. Filoni's working with Favaro. Yeah, <laughs> and especially with the way that Favaro explained their first meeting, which was... He was uh, – uh, Filoni at the time was working at Clone Wars, and he was working on Iron Man. Okay, did you know that their relationship ran that deep? Did you know that? I didn't. I knew that uh, Favreau was was around uh, around that time in Lucasfilm. Right, because of working at Skywalker Ranch. But no, I didn't know that basically it's been this relationship between Filoni, Lucas, and Favreau since 2007. And I know that he was cast as uh, Vizsla in, in Clone Wars. Yes. And I know that he had a relationship, but I didn't know they, they met each other way back, way back when. And when Favreau said, you know, that Filoni was the first person to see Iron Man. Yeah. And... You know, Iron Man won. Okay? Iron Man won. And then Filoni was the, or, and then uh, Favreau was the first one to see Clone Wars season one. You know, you're like, shit, dude, this makes sense. This has like been in the works forever. The fact that they've shared each other's projects and they were the first ones to see each of their, their projects. I mean, it just feels like this has been in the works. And, it, and, the, it, and the one factor about that relationship the one that basically basically tells me that I am happy with the Mandalorian is the fact that both of them worked with Lucas and kind of like were apprentices to Lucas. Right. Yes. There's that respect there. We're going to get into that because this is going to be because all this panel really did was just reaffirm things that we knew instead of like rumors. 
they were reaffirming things that we've heard throughout that the last. That we heard and confirmation. They confirmed the date. And by reaffirming the the our thoughts and these rumors, it just makes me get more excited hearing it from their mouth and and the fact that they have this rich relationship and uh, and that it it kind of felt like a no brainer the two of them working together. And the best part that I loved was that you know Favreau is all like, hey, listen, I'm I'm one of the biggest Star Wars fans of all time. You know, I grew up this and he's all, but then I look at Filoni and he's like a walking dictionary. He's like, <laughs> he's you know, he's a walking Star Wars dictionary. And he says, we're learning from each other. And this is why I feel so good. Not just because of the obvious things about this series, but the fact that they have a great chemistry and respect for each other. Um, Favreau says he's learned so much from Filoni about Star Wars and Filoni, again, grooming him. Uh, has learned a lot about directing and working within the live action medium. Yes. From Favreau, who's, I think, again, all of us could admit that he's a very experienced and, for the most part, a very competent director. And that's why I really do think that, just like what you said, that opening with Kathleen Kennedy was also a really nice nod to all of us from Kathleen that basically <laughs> yep. she understands. Yep. She knows that basically Filoni has been this good and there's been a lot of questions of, when is he going to take that next step? We we all know that he's a student, and he and Kathleen's always treat him as his peer, as her peer. Mm-hmm. But when is he going to take that next step? Yeah, he has to do something better and bigger. Yeah. Now, Dave, I can say this: it took me all of five minutes to get uber excited. <laughs> all of five minutes, because when you open up your panel within the opening five minutes and you throw around words to describe your series. Okay. And you throw around words like Westerns ready and samurai movies. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) That is going to win me over every single time. Anyone, Dave, who's listened to our network over the last, however many years we've been doing this, what almost nine years between all of our shows across the board. Um, it's not a mystery. That I love the Western genre. It's it's my thing. I also love the samurai genre. I don't do a show on it because we already do 50,000 shows. We already do 50,000 shows. And the sad part is, yeah, we would probably do a samurai show if we had had time. If we had time, (laughs) we would. And, you know, when uh, Pedro Pascal, is that how you say his name? Pedro Pascal. Uh, When you say when uh, Pedro, when Pedro Pascal came onto the panel, and he looks at Favaro and Filoni and says, well, you know, when I was getting prepared for this role, uh, he told me to watch a lot of Leone, Sergio Leone, which if you don't know who Sergio Leone is, he's he's done so much great work. But I'm going to oh name God, yeah. I'm going to name the one project that pretty much everyone has seen. It's the good, the bad, bad and the, the ugly. ugly. OK, he's the the godfather of our cinema much of the cinema we have today the chosen shots camera angles the stylized movement all of that came most of that came from leone during a time when no one respected that work because it was considered subpar oh what are you doing with the camera and the and the lens choices oh oh, oh, oh. (laughs) here in the in america we don't do things like this he was considered shit yes and it wasn't until 10 15 years later you know not until i'd say eight maybe 20 Late 80s, mid 80s, early 90s, more fan or more people within the academic circles just started to give him more credit and realized what he was doing was was art. Yeah, he is the 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 father of creative story te- visual storytelling and moving that camera. I know a lot and of people move that camera, and I know a lot of people give Spielberg credit with Jaws. And yes, from an American side, he is the one that decided to take that camera and not lock it down but move it around before jaws movies had a lot they were more boring when when it came static to, yeah they were more static but sergio leone is also that person that that did that way before spielberg ever tried it out in in jaws so much of the work we get people don't even realize that the comic book movies we have today it has a lot to do with the efforts of Sergio Leone and Akira Kurosawa. Yep. So the fact that Favaro is is jamming down that type of material down these actors' throats makes me realize that we're in good hands. Not only are we going to get a good fucking Star Wars piece, but we're going to get stuff that we just love, westerns and samurai films. We're going to get something that we've never seen before as a Star Wars fan. Yeah. We're never we're, this is going to stand out as 
probably the most unique project that they've ever done. And that's the whole thing. That's the part of this, the thing I got out of the panel too, was the fact that they really pushed that this is a unique passion project of Favreau and Filoni's, you know, yes, they're going to try to keep it star Wars, but this is something that Favreau has been working on and thinking about for a very long time where he wanted to do something different with, with uh, star Wars. Yeah. He didn't want to trade on the, on the Skywalker saga. This is something that was a passion project of his, that he has been pitching to Kathleen Kennedy and, and Filoni for since 2007. Yeah. Oh my God. That's like a, that's a passion project right there. Oh yeah, Absolutely. In fact, Filoni during the panel was making fun of him because he, I guess Favreau writes dates down when he's writing. Yes. And the date on the script that he sent Filoni was December 25th. And Filoni's <laughs> all like, oh, poor guy has nothing better nothing to, do to do on Christmas. On Christmas. And he, he didn't even read it. And like, and like Favreau had to uh, harass him to go read it. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so that being said there is a lot of passion involved in this and that's one thing that came through very clear during the panel the passion involved in this project because Dave we're in a time where we're not just hiring hiring directors and writers anymore to do Star Wars like oh you know you're in the business you're a great director Eh, you want to make a Star Wars movie no one thing they said Dave is everybody involved in this project Specifically, the directors they handpicked to direct the episodes. There was one requirement. There was one prerequisite. You have to be a hardcore Star Wars fan. How fucking awesome is that? That they're hiring directors that are, they have to be hardcore Star Wars fans. Yeah. They have to be passionate about it. And it says a lot that I think, was was Mandalorian announced after uh, Last Jedi and everything? I believe what, so. what do you mean after Last Jedi? After Last Jedi was released and it basically... Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't really... Sp- the uh, Yeah, we had no information. We had on no information yeah. on The Mandalorian. But The Mandalorian, to me, was like... The Mandalorian didn't break, I think, until no- November of last year. So last year, almost towards it? the end of the year, yeah. So Mandalorian, to me, feels like this is where Kathleen Kennedy learned her lesson and basically said that, learned okay, I want, to, I want to bring in that new blood because we've always been saying that... One of the one of the tenants when she took over Star Wars was yeah. she wanted to bring in that new blood of filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Mandalorian was like, okay, I want to bring in that new blood, but these people have to have the passion to want to be here, and of course, the skill set, the skill set, yeah. yeah. So because she's picking some great names, she picked some really stellar. Well, A-plus maybe names. she didn't pick them, but at least we know Favreau and Filoni picked them. Um, but yeah, man, it's just you could see the passion and same thing with uh, Pedro Pascal when he came on on the stage. I mean, the guy looked like he wasn't going to be in tears because he just I love that when actors because he is a, an established actor, but he hasn't done anything besides Game of Thrones that yeah. people can point to him and say, oh, dude, that's Pedro Pascal. This is going to be the project that makes him. And he knows that well, he yeah. knows that this is the project that's going to that's going to solidify his name within history he's going to be the first lead actor dave in our first true star wars live action series and you could see it in his face that just like we are excited he can't believe it he can't fathom the idea this with this panel this panel look uh, felt like it was a bunch of fans on the stage i yes compared to like the other panels that we've had so more sterile more of a disconnect not saying they haven't been great but you're right this one has there was just passion with, bleeding through. Even with Carl Weathers. When Carl Weathers came on stage, oh my God. Dude, he looked like he was going to cry too. <laughs> he, would look, he, he was like so happy to be dude, here. Dude, it's, it's about fucking time. Didn't I say that, dude? Like when they announced, when they announced that Carl Weathers was going to be a lead in The Mandalorian, what's the first thing I said in our show? I'm like, it's about fucking time. <laughs> this dude has been a tried and true actor for the past, what, 30 years? 30 years. 30 and- years. And he's never... Unlike a lot of actors where they fall away, right? And then they have comebacks. Carl Weathers has been around working for 30 years. For 30 years. He didn't fall away. He did some movies. He did TV. He did a movie. He did TV. He did a movie. He did TV. But nothing as big as this. A dude, that's still of him in his character. And he looks it, dude. He he still has that charisma that basically he is a 
badass yeah. in, 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 on the screen. And, and again, you can see the passion because he he couldn't believe it himself, dude, that he's 70-some years old and he's getting his first real shot since Rocky to, be, Rocky. In, to be in something really, really big. So tons of passion. And Gina uh, Carano, is that you say her name? Gina Carano, yes. Damn, she's hot. I didn't know she was so attractive. Dude, I we was... We have a good-looking cast again. Yeah, and I'm really intrigued with all the characters. Yes, they couldn't give us a lot of details yet. Because... I think a lot of us knew that. We weren't going to get... We weren't going to get a lot it's of too, details. It's too, early. Early. It's, too, it's too soon. We're still like, what, eight months out from the premiere, roughly? But getting to actually see those stills really told us a lot that basically they're going all out on the visuals of they want to actually push like this genre piece for star wars yeah like gina uh, her character looks really really cool super stoked for her character i did not expect to be this enthusiastic about any other character besides the mandalorian (laughs) but then after seeing you know what carl weathers is going to be doing and then what gina will be working with uh, what is she going to be a shock trooper a former shock trooper Apparently, yes. God damn, dude. <laughs> We're going to have a character that was a shock trooper. And I'm like going, okay, you want a badass female? They've, they've been harping on us about badass female lead, female roles. That's a badass female role. You're a shock trooper. Yeah. I mean, that's about as hardcore as you can get. A fucking shock trooper. <laughs> Jesus. Um, now, there's also something that they that they mentioned that became, I, I don't think they meant for it to become this big of a topic, but it kind of, it kind of took off because I think they, they they were feeding Favaro and Filoni were feeding off of the, the audience audience. Yeah. The audience. And once they realized how interested the audience was in nerd shit, you know how we get made fun of uh, because we're, we're movie nerds. Like, in fact, that's how I describe ourselves more than anything. When people say, oh, you're geeks, you like comic books and, and comic movies and Star Wars. I'm like, no, nah, you know what? If something has something, if something, whether it be a TV show or a movie, if there's something that speaks to the filmmaking side of me, like the, the fact that I love the filmmaking process, I'm going to gravitate to that. Yes. And typically those types of things aren't good talking pieces at a panel. You don't want to get into the ins and outs of miniature work well, <laughs> because it's just even though people love it, you don't really want to just geek out over it because you don't know if the rest of them are going to be all excited about excited miniatures. About it, yeah. And Dave, they're using fucking miniatures for a TV show. I know. That was awesome when they said that. I was like, like are you serious? We have not had miniature work in a TV show. When they I- showed that, that, uh. I don't want to say a scene, the model, the model of the ship. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm like, going. they're going, they're going all out on like paying homage to star Wars. Remember, remember the effects. Right. And that's something uh, Favreau said as well. He said, there's a a physicality to star Wars. That's always been there. He says it, it it feels handmade. And he says, and we didn't want to change that just because we're doing a TV show. Star Wars has to have that handmade feel. And even the prequels, a lot of people like to bash the prequels saying that, oh, George Lucas did everything CGI. Go back and watch the behind the scenes. You'd be surprised that there's still a large amount of practical effects involved in the prequels as well. It's always been a part. It's not something they're bringing back that was exclusive to the original trilogy and then the new trilogy. It was a part of the prequels as well. In fact, yes. 90%, 99.9% of the scenes were miniatures anytime you saw a landscape or a cityscape it was a it was miniatures mustafar the ending the 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 the, the scene that people cry about and say oh it's all cgi what are no, you doing so that was miniature work a lot of that was miniature work so it's it's a part of every single star wars film every star wars piece and that's something that you and i had talked about a lot off the air we were concerned well are you going to be able to bring everything that star wars is including the filmmaking side of things to a tv show with a tv show budget and when he said we're keeping that handmade feel you know where everything's very it's very crucial how you design yes it's yes exactly organic that made me a lot that made me very happy and it calmed me down calmed my star wars nerd nerves realizing that why did i even worry why i shouldn't have worried about this because feloni is 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 god and favaro <laughs> is a filmmaking guru the guy i mean look at the work he did on um on uh 
Cowboys and Aliens. I know some people didn't like that movie. I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, but look at the Western side of things. If you don't, if you doubt his his true passion and understanding of the Western, just look at the filmmaking side of Cowboys and, and aliens. aliens. Yeah, it's fantastically it's fantastically done. done. And like you're right. I mean, like the whole point about what makes Star Wars, the miniatures and the effects is one of those things that basically makes Star Wars. And yeah, like what you said, a lot of people always say, oh, all the CGI that George Lucas made. Yeah, that CGI was there, but Lucas never veered away from using the practical effects that got him to the dance. Exactly. He, he still used the miniatures to this day. The reason why you don't notice it is because it's that damn good now. Yeah. Where people can make it that seamless. Yeah. And... I've always, I've always veered in that direction of loving that side of filmmaking where it's like seeing the amount of work it takes to make something come to life. Like taking some of like Ralph McQuarrie and Doug Chang's designs is amazing. What, what they've done up to uh, what ILM has been able to do up to this point when you take it into the look of like, I used to remember watching the old making of Star Wars videos a long time ago on VHS and video discs mm-hmm. where you saw them literally start with just a bare bones, midum, uh, bare bones, easy model. And then also when you get to like Return of the Jedi, how elaborate it became, how much bigger those models became. And it was like nowadays people would be amazed to actually know how big those miniatures are in real life. Some of them are as big as sound stages. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are Dave. They're <laughs> massive. Um, in fact, they call them, there's an industry industry term that they started using a lot on the set of Lord of the Rings back in what? Mm, late nineties, early two thousands. And they just, they just started calling them bigatures. Bigatures. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to get into the vibes and feels of the Mandalorian based on what was shared with us in just a moment, but we're going to go to a very quick break. Don't go anywhere. It'll just be a few moments. This is Star Wars from the Bunker Tank Exclusive. Seriously, live recording of someone when they found out the news that Kathleen Kennedy would in fact be coming back as the king of Lucasfilm. All right, calm down. Wait, everything will be okay. I think uh, Kathleen Kennedy used all those tears to make her her garden grow. Oh, look how vibrant my garden is, honey. Come here. Oh, I used uh, fan baby tears. Oh, that's a fantastic miracle grow. In fact, I'm going to take an actual fan and I'm going to imprison them unlawfully. I'm going to put them next to my garden and it'll be almost like a drip system. You know how drip systems work? How they just randomly water people's yards? Well, I'm just going to randomly have a fan cry. Over my garden. Garrett, <laughs> every time I need him to start crying, I'll share an idea. I'm like, hey, Mr. Star Wars fan, uh, the next TV show we have planned is going to be starring an Asian woman. <laughs> all, right, all right, thank you. That's enough. That's all I need. All right, uh, for the next Star Wars movie, it's going to be featuring two Mexican men. <laughs> Common STI, the number of cases of the new antibiotic resistant strain is slowly on the rise. Yeah, I like how like we're being attacked by measles, polio, and now a super, super gonorrhea. gonorrhea. 
strain. How can we weaponize this and give it to AOC, Jenny McCarthy, and Kim Jong-un? I will infect an entire nation. We will defeat North Korea by giving them gyneria. Thomas, I think you're the perfect soldier. You're the like the STI Rambo because you like men and women. You could just leave me behind enemy lines. Yeah, we'll just drop you there with no condoms. I'm like, get to it. You are our Captain America. You're our gyneria soldier. This mission, should I choose to accept it? Our super gyneria soldier. Jesus. Time to send in our, our super soldier, everybody. You guys remember uh, Vietnam? Yeah. We're going to do it all over again, but we've got to read it this time. Send Thomas in. He needs air support over. Find all the loosest sluts in downtown Phoenix and bring them on board the airplane. I'm going to need a bottle of Viagra, six cases of Gatorade, What about and a the headband. Navy SEALs, sir? What about the Navy SEALs? No, 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 no. We need, uh, we need Trixie, Cindy, and Lola from around the corner. <laughs> Thomas is the general. He will lead the charge with the STI invasion. Sir, they don't have gonorrhea. Thomas! Thomas! Yeah, yeah. We need you to go ahead and infect these sluts, sluts, I mean, whores, I mean, ladies, soldiers. <laughs> we have just found our inside man. Mr. President, it would be my honor. To be inside men. <laughs> to do it all. I gotta make sure you're fully prepared. Whip the deck out. I want to make sure there's some discharge there. Come on. Oh. It's not gay. Let me touch it. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. That is correct. I don't like this. She got what the Lisa Welcome back, everybody, to Star Wars From the Back to Tank. If you're just now tuning in via our channel, RM Channel 001, you can find anything you've missed on demand via Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Just search Star Wars From the Back to Tank, and you can listen to the prior shows. Uh, Star Wars Celebration Show number one, number two are both currently out. Number three will probably be out within the next 30 minutes. And then, of course, show number four will be out probably later this evening, which is what we're doing now. All right, Dave. So let's talk about the the vibes, the feelings, not not like emotional, not how we feel, but the the motif, I would say, of of uh, the Mandalorian. And I like the way he explained it. Because again, they were they were dancing around. They're being very careful with how they, uh, what they share. Yeah, it's amazing that how much they still want to keep secret about the project. Because like we all know that basically that shooting should have finished by now. I believe uh, shooting or has already been finished. I believe it's complete. Yeah. So it's it's interesting that basically. Baloney and Kennedy are kind of like going, let's keep this a little, little secret still. Disney, we just announced Disney plus 
let's be let's be smart about this and actually still keep details secret about the Mandalorian. I'm wondering the reason why they're trying to keep this a little bit of a secret, Dave, I guess we can call it, is because um, they probably don't want to outshine Episode Nine's trailer. That's why. Yeah. I honestly feel because when you watch this panel, dude, most of the fans and even myself, I'm like going, this is more exciting than well, it's, it's, the very opening panel of episode nine. It's going to get even more exciting because alone, if I think at least for us older fans. Now, Favaro said that when they went to make this project to start working on it is they it's designed for us. He do. He specifically said the people that have been around since the seventies. Yes. He said, that's what he was hoping to, to, to bring back. He was going, he says he feels that the 40 year old plus audience is going to absolutely love what we're doing with this series. He's all, however, that being said, he's all, that's what I was going for. He said, however, the way they're writing this is going to appeal to the mainstream as well. Meaning it's not going to just be liked by a certain group. And you can't do that with a TV show like this. It's going to be like any other TV show. You're going to be able to push play on episode one and enjoy the series. Even if you're a casual Star Wars fan, you're not going to need to know everything about Star Wars in order to watch this show. You know what that tells me is that they're not going to rely on just solely what we already know. That this yes. is going to be true story progression. The fact that this officially has been announced that this is taking place five years after the events of Return of the Jedi is taking place during that power vacuum state when a, a massive you know government entity just fell just fell it's toppled well what happens anarchy anarchy happens and it's not just all happy endings and and if you look at history and he even said that if you look at history and you look at when uh, governments are toppled over it isn't just rainbows and and lollipops oh the bad guys lost yay no there's a massive power power vacuum that needs to be filled right yes and um or I should say a gap in power that needs to be filled. And uh, that's kind of the story that we're being thrown in. Not not saying it's going to be overly political by any means, but it's going to deal with the aftermath of a giant government falling apart. And what happens? What usually happens, Dave, when when governments fall apart? Chaos and anarchy. Yep. It's usually a rebe- uh, uh, someone has to fill in that, that role well, when not, the coup happens. Right. And it usually paves the way for the underbelly of society, the, the criminal organizations criminal underbelly, yeah. to grab power. And that's the story. That's the backdrop. He also used the only way he could describe things because they were like tiptoeing. He says, think of the cantina scene in New Hope, which I thought was such a great visual way to express the vibes of the Mandalorian because I, I immediately got a picture in my mind when he said yeah. that. He's all, imagine the cantina scene in New Hope. And all those people in there, the scum and villainy. Yes. That's the feeling of the Mandalorian. Which which honestly did give me a really good solid vibe of what the, Absolutely. What the uh it, it, what the political landscape is that they're dealing with. Especially, you know, like you're dealing with the scum and the scum and villainy of Star Wars. You're dealing with the guy who says, Hey, we don't serve your kind here. We don't serve their kind droids stay out that kind of like very i don't want to say dark Mm -hmm. but edgy that very edgy uh gritty gritty feel that basically they were talking about where you're gonna have to deal with very deep storytelling to explain how how this character functions and that's what has me really excited about it is because like while they didn't give us any details, we now have a solid idea of the type of storytelling we're going to be experiencing with the Mandalorian. Yeah, and I honestly, like, I, again, not a lot that we knew, but it's nice to have confirmation. Confirmation. I, it's I about feel, confirmation th- with this panel. Yeah, and I feel like most of us already had that idea that it would be something like that, like the cantina scene, because you're dealing with the Mandalorian, and if you look at the log line. I mean, the very log line, it gives you that that feeling as well. A lone gunfighter. I mean, what do you think when you when you hear that? I think of the cantina scene and, and the many Western elements that you get in Star Wars throughout the years. Now, when it comes to Star Wars, 
Um, and when it comes to the overall Star Wars story and the story of the Mandalorians, there has been some question marks because of the I don't want to say shoehorning because that comes with negative connotations. But I want to say with the, with the, the many stories that have surfaced after uh, or post the prequels. Right. Uh, they, they've done a lot of work on the Clone Wars, which filled in a lot of gaps between Attack of the Clones and, of course, Revenge of the Sith. But by doing a show like that, it also created a lot of questions. And one of those big questions is, well, okay, so the Mandalorians are around now, now, especially when you see the story from Rebels recently. Yes. The Mandalorians are still around. They're still not, I wouldn't say they're thriving, but they're definitely around. Or Favreau said during the panel, the Mandalorian will color in the missing tiles with regards to where the Mandalorians were during the original trilogy and the prequels. So because a lot of us have those questions, well, where have where were the Mandalorians during this war? And I, I feel like if you watch Rebels, most you, of us, you kind of have an idea. You kind of have an idea. They're dealing with repairing or rebuilding their own um, civil war. Well, they, they were just coming off of it. Right. They're just recovering from their civil war. And, and as we know, with our own history here in the United States, uh, post civil war, it's a time for rebuilding. And a lot of us started I- not isolating, but we focused more internally repairing the damage that was done and trying to get the United States back on course. And that's kind of what we assumed happened with the Mandalorians because of the civil war fallout, the civil war fallout. And we, uh, we kind of get a gauge that basically, yeah, they're trying to pick up the pieces, especially at the end of rebels with uh, Sabine's monologue yeah, where she's like saying like, her people are basically trying to still pick up the pieces after right. the aftermath. And people have to understand that that just doesn't happen overnight. That takes like maybe decades or generations to actually fix. Yeah. Now, Dave, the next thing that's really exciting and again makes me feel like, you know, Filoni and Favaro, they have their their finger on the pulse of the fandom. They know what they're doing. They're giving us it seems like with this TV show, they're giving the fans a lot of what they've been asking for. And uh, he said something. I'm going to use the exact words. And I love that Filoni use, or uh, Favreau are using the words that we use in this fandom. He says, expect to see a lot of legends, things, things from the old expanded universe. universe. He's using those familiar buzzwords that the fans use. Legends expanded universe and they're going to be reintroducing he says yes we're focused on telling a new story but as lucasfilm has said since the great retcon of 2013 what have they always said that they will oh they will find ways throughout the years to bring back certain aspects that have been retconned from the old eu that's now known as legends it's the magic rolodex yeah. They're going to actually take something out of the Rolodex every now and then. The Spank Bank. The Spank Bank. Yeah, the Spank. That's not, let's just call it the <laughs> Lucasfilm Spank Bank. Oh, you remember? Everyone jerks it to this. So let's just uh, bring back this character. Let's see. Marjade. 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 <laughs> what would you do if they brought back Marjade? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm afraid of something like that. That's one of the – me as a Star Wars fan. I'm not a big fan of Marjade. I mean, I'm not I, a big fan, but I'm like – I going, like If her, they but... were to bring her back, I think the fans would be upset because like – let's face it. At this point, she's not going to be with Luke. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, they're kind of – right. Her, the birth <laughs> no of her way. character came by way of Luke Skywalker. By way of Luke Skywalker. And it's like, well, we know what Luke's uh, – what Luke's destiny and, uh, and what what his what he turns out what turns out for him, Mara's not in there. <laughs> so I think that if they were to bring her back, that's one of the characters I don't think it will ever come back because if they were, there'd be too much fan grumbling. Well, there there's been some people out there saying, well, there you can bring back Mara Jade without Luke, but that doesn't mean it would make sense because it would make well, sense. Just create a new character then, because that's yeah, not just create that's, a new character. That's not Mara Jade. <laughs> Now, Dave, before we get too off topic topic here, let's bring it back. I want to talk about those miniatures. Uh, we didn't get into it too much. So we had to go to a break. Now, apparently this ship, the um, what are they calling oh, the Razor it? Crest? Yeah, the Razor Crest. That's the official name for uh, the Mandalorian. Yeah, that's ship. a good name for a ship. Yeah. Now, this whole thing is handmade, the miniature. And they the, and during the panel, 
thankfully they showed the process of how they made this miniature and then they showed us several pass-throughs. Basically the ship flying. Yes. Dude, even the engine turbines. They're going so old school. They're not even going they're probably going to spruce it up in the in in the edit with the in the edit with some additional CGI, I'm sure, and that just kind of comes with the territory. But dude, they had the fire turbines lit in this miniature model by way of the classic LEDs. Yep. And I appreciate that. I, I do really too. do. I do too. It just because it, 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 there's just something organic. We're going to toss around this term when it comes to miniatures a lot, but there's something organic of actually using real lighting mm-hmm. because CGI lighting, you could tell from the get go. There, there, there's something strange about it. It doesn't look natural. Yeah. But if you use natural lighting, especially in miniatures with LEDs, oh my God, the pictures that you can get just are amazing. You know, you can in in film history, you can look no further than Blade Runner. Yeah. Blade Runner, there's so many LEDs in there, but it it made the entire city come alive. Yeah. That definitely got me gave me some geek chills. I got really excited over that aspect of the panel just to see how detailed they're going in with some of the mature the miniature work. Now, another thing, during the panel, they opened the um, the discussion to the Internet, and they had uh, various Twitter folks coming in with some questions. <laughs> and one, but some, these are actually good questions. They picked good questions for once, not the, excuse me, floating. Uh. <laughs> not let random people walk up to a microphone. <laughs> yeah, which is always a recipe for disaster. They took some questions from the Internet. My interest was definitely peaked. By the response. They asked Favreau what was his guidance. During, ma- during the process of making this film. Oh, I'm sorry. This TV series. What was, his, was there anybody he looked to guidance? And you know who he said? He said, Filoni. <laughs> Automatically. And, and then that's where he gives credit for you know, Filoni's relationship that he has had with Lucas. And being the Star Wars dictionary. I just love that, he, that Filoni has become the... the he is the lesser Lucas. I don't want to say yeah. lesser because he's talented as fuck, but you know, George Lucas, Filoni, you know, him, he, him and Pablo, they're the, they they are the star Wars lore keepers. They are the star Wars keep lore keepers that basically, I just love that. Everyone the respects guardians. that respects that Filoni. They respect the knowledge that Filoni has when it comes yeah. to star Wars. Absolutely. I thought that was awesome when he said that he looked to a Filoni for guidance. And then he said, of course, you know, obviously, you know, Lucas as well. And, you know, and, and just, you know, he came on set and offered his own, you know, ask, you know, guidance. I mean, how can you not come on set if you're Lucas and be like, "Mm, let's see what you guys are doing here. How are you not going to, as a director, not ask him questions, you know, or as a writer, like, Hey, what do you think about this? What should we do? You like it? I just want your approval, George. I just want your approval, please. (laughs) So that was exciting. Again, just a lot of passion, Dave. And I think ultimately that's how you can wrap up the panel. You have a bunch of star Wars fans making a TV series that's sanctioned by Lucasfilm. I'm not saying a fan film. I'm not saying a fa- this is fan fiction, but this is the closest you're ever going to get to seeing fan fiction uh, come to life. Come to life because, like, just like what you said. I mean, one of the biggest takeaways I uh, I took from the panel was Favreau saying that this project is made by the for those Star Wars fans that started from the beginning, the '70s, and automatically i'm like going man that's treading on a lot of fan territory and you're it is gonna have like that passion of a fan film which is nice i think that's something that that is missing in a lot of uh in a lot of big franchises that a lot of people basically take for granted is like fans have the passion to make something great they just they just gotta have the skills they just gotta have the skills and these uh, the 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 team that Kennedy has put together with Favreau, Filoni, and all those other filmmakers, like what we said, they have the passion. But not only that, they have the skill. These are these are industry people that are no joke. Like when you mention things like Favreau, automatically people say, "Oh wow, the Marvel movies." Without him, 
yeah, the Marvel movies would not be around. Yeah, yeah, we can't forget that he launched the MCU. He launched it. He Iron Man won. <laughs> yeah, and then you you're bringing in other people like uh, I always I can't say the the filmmaker's name probably, but is Ta- Taiti? I, who the, the one, director of Thor? Yeah, the director of Thor. I I I thought it was Titty. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> but. In regards to in regards to him, he's also a really big industry talent that's actually has a lot of skill, and the fact that basically you get the best of both oh, worlds. Hold on, with this. The, the voice of Yeager is on right now. I didn't realize that was the actor that did Yeager. Yeah, <laughs> if you were at questioning him, why didn't you just kill Cass? Oh, <laughs> like, excuse me, uh, but, uh, uh, well, why didn't you just kill Kaz? What was it in the script? You should have just had wrote it in. Wrote it no, in. Kaz is fine. I like Kaz now. By the end, I by the end of Resistance, I I liked Kaz. The the, the beginning you know, was a little rough. It was a little rough. <laughs> All right, we need to end show number four. God, we we've got to get ready for the next panel, which is going to be. Uh, a sneak peek into the, I believe, the upcoming season of Clone Wars, right? Dude, Clone Wars Returned? And dude, just to show people that how much stuff is going on, we didn't even have time to talk about the sizzle reel. Oh, well, let's get into it. <laughs> you want to talk about the sizzle reel? Go ahead. I don't know if we have time. Do we have? There's a lot going on in that sizzle reel. Um, we will post the pirated sizzle reel uh, with this show so that you can take a look at it. Basically, it's just footage not necessarily a trailer. It's yeah, it's probably, not a trailer. I'd say there's a 30 to 60 second sequence that has been pieced together, uh, color graded, probably a snippet from the episode. And then it goes into a bunch of behind the scenes things and you see all the directors working. Working and, together. And yeah. it, the thing about that sizzle reel, it is just a giant confirmation yeah. of what to expect. Yes, indeed. All right. We will be back in a few hours. Rebels panel is at one our time which yes. is in 30 minutes and then it will probably go live about 15 20 minutes after that panel so we're looking at about 2 15 2 30 uh pacific time yeah we'll the clone wars panel clone wars yeah we'll be back later oh, yes. Yes.